What do you say we get this started? This is a sold out show. I said, how about we get this started? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the NYC Podfest stage, the original peaches themselves, the Flophouse. Are these turned on? Check. 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 Siblings. Check. One, Check. two, three. Hey, Rock, Eric, and Mel. Check. Wow. Hey, Charlene. That's already all just know. like talking to people Check. in the hey, audience. Hey, personal. Folks? What's up? Who's here from out of town? We don't need to do that. All right. I feel like I want to go on a limb here, guys, but I think New York City is the best city. <laughs> I heard, you know, when the Flophouse performed in Brooklyn, we heard that Brooklyn rocked pretty hard. But here in Manhattan, I don't know. The smallest tour. Uh, so we should introduce ourselves. I mean, that's traditional. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey there, Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, Dan and Stu. I'm Elliot Kalin. Yay! Are you sure? You seem like an imposter. You're wearing a suit. I am dressed nicely. Which is not how I'm usually dressed for the flop house. Usually I am wearing pajama Yeah, I've been meaning to talk pants. to you about that. And not so much a shirt, I guess. I mean, it started as a shirt. <laughs> and then through years of a game I call Hug a Porcupine, it's, it's just been shredded. It's not what it sounds like. You're actually having sex with a porcupine. I call it hugging. Uh, but no, I was, I'm dressed up unlike these other guys, because I came straight here from the Peabody Awards. Mm. You're a real awards dropper. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did, I did drop the award and it broke. I mean, I do work on the w- same show. I, yeah. I don't know why I'm so bitter about this. Yeah. You shared a piece of that. You just weren't at the event. Yeah. You didn't get to see Steve Martin and David Letterman enough. on stage. Together. Yeah, you're, you're behind camera talent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Accurate. have you know, Dan once played a Santa Claus in a wrestling <laughs> unitard. Tell that I once I once played a guy who was me who explained. <laughs> it was the part you were born to play. <laughs> <laughs> I once played a guy who explained analingus to uh, John Stewart. So, yeah, yeah. So your parents kept a copy of that one. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were literally out of the country when it happened. <laughs> this is weird. We can see everyone. Yeah, and what I this is guys, an intimate. Uh, intim- this is an very intimate. This is an intimate Half the audience stage. is in our lab. I'm gonna fiddle with my microphone so I can look at you guys when I talk. Dan, right. why, I I why is it. it? Why are you turning into D. Snyder's Strange Land? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're sitting at a table for the people listening to this with big microphones in front of us, and it feels like we're like at the UN. <laughs> yep. We're explaining why we blew up Sokovia right now. <laughs> Dan, speaking of explanations, yeah. can you explain to the audience at home and here in the room and in space when it gets beamed out to aliens? <laughs> when we what? put it on a golden record. Yeah. 
Uh, what do we do on this podcast? This is a podcast where I we mean, watch. What is this? Is what? it a podcast? It's a podcast. Okay. Where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Now. Yeah! Now, Dan, if People I people are excited by premises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I could ask you a question, Dan. Uh, roughly put, and I think you'll understand what I mean. Ma Nishtana Halila Hazeth. Why is this episode different from all other episodes? Because <laughs> we are doing it uh, live, live, live. From the cake shop in beautiful New York City. Uh, it's part of the NYC Podfest. Yeah, yeah. That's totally true. And also, Accurate. and also, why is this episode different? Um... On all other episodes of the Flophouse, we watch the movie and then we immediately record. Oh, that's right. Yes. But on tonight's episode, we watched it earlier this afternoon, and mm-hmm. now we're recording. And as At a result, 1 PM. our usually fairly slipshod grasp of the details of the film <laughs> may slip yet another shoe. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Which I'm just realizing is the literal meaning of slipshod. <laughs> You're gonna go on an adventure with us. <laughs> An adventure through the brain, specifically our brains, as we try and remember. What film are we trying to remember, Dan? Gods of Egypt? Yes. I barely even remember the title of the movie we watched. I think that's so unique, Dan. Well, I think part of it is there's also Exodus, Gods, and Kings. Yeah, it's not even. That's a movie, yeah. It's not even the only movie about Egypt with gods in the title yeah. not within what like a featuring an entirely all white cast uh, uh, I okay now here's almost the thing. okay I'm sorry it is a mostly white cast it is an entirely non-Egyptian cast not, yeah that's a good point but they managed to throw in several other races as extras mm-hmm. snakes and there's also giant snakes where's their the representation that's a race yeah. you're forgetting about the parts played by a cadre of bullmen <laughs> That's right. true. Kind of like uh, I imagine, like the kids who grew up seeing Rocksteady and Bebop on TV, and were like, maybe there is a place for me in entertainment. <laughs> but we should, I guess, should we talk about what the movie? Yeah, about, we or? should. Uh, yeah, usually we dick around a little bit, but yeah, like, yeah. Think... We yeah, should so instead. Let's not do that. <laughs> which we've been just been doing, Dan. Guys, I think it's time that we get right down to Anu business. I think <laughs> Dan, top it. Top that, Dan. Top that. Uh, <laughs> I've been working on that since 1 p.m. today, guys. Hurrah for the movie? Now, is that a playoff of And it's already Ra- better than Hurrah of, of Horace, which is also the name of a character. Yeah, it's, let's say it's a playoff of both. Okay. And I'm going to go, oh, Cyrus. Oh. <laughs> that should have been mine. That's my impression of yeah. Egyptian Dan McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> So, let's take you back. Let's everyone close our eyes, mm-hmm. which is what you would not do if you were watching the movie because the visuals are the only things of interest in the film. And imagine that we live in a world called ancient Egypt. It's not the ancient Egypt you're aware of. It's not your daddy's ancient it's, Egypt it's not fanboy. What? It's weird that if we live in the world called ancient Egypt, we're calling it ancient Egypt. <laughs> it seems like we should call it the present day. No. They were very meta and very aware of their place in history. Yeah. They were like, this isn't forever. Someday we'll all be old. We'll be ancient. Egypt. So this is in ancient Egypt where all the crazy god nonsense that they believed in, which as we know now was totally crazy cuckoo, um, 
As opposed to all other religions. Uh, whoa, hot take. Whoa, whoa. Let's just say, Dan, that in the battle between all religions over which is the true one, I think it's fair to say that Egypt has stumbled and fallen in the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and its bloody, chafed body has been pulled off the track. Well, particularly as shown in Gods and whatever. Gods of Egypt. Uh, <laughs> gods in Egypt, Gods and Kings is about a still very viable religion. Oh, that's that's right. still in the race. That's Exodus gods. I'm talking about Christian Baalism. Uh, <laughs> no, but it is it is a crazy version of. What is it called? Uh, Exodus gods. And kings? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't Not know. Egypt. Gods of Egypt is. A I cra- can't remember what that book's <laughs> that called. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Dan. Gods of Egypt postulates a world where gods are just sort of taller than the rest of us. Well, they kind of. So the, it takes place in this mythical Egypt where the world is flat, and Egypt is basically all of it. And the gods, the Egyptian gods, they posit are very much like the gods, which in essence are just bigger, more powerful people that are total And golden blood. Now, the difference is that these Egyptian gods, they have the names of the famous Egyptian gods. You know, <laughs> Osiris and Horus and like, and Peggy. And they, <laughs> we were talking about that backstage. Anyway, and uh, they also have golden blood, and they can transform into robot monsters. Yeah. <laughs> but not at will. They need... And Some every, real transmorphers. And every one of them has a magic glowing body part inside of them that, when removed, lowers their power essence and their energy levels. It's a, yeah. real, it's a real video game of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is a... There is not since Prince of Persia, a game, a video, movie based on a video game. Well, really not since... Uh, since uh, have I seen a movie that was so much of a side-scrolling leveler? Where yeah, it's just yeah. like, now he's got to, okay, he's going to jump through that trap. Now he rests on a platform for a minute. Now he times it on the next trap. Oh, so, no, there's spikes. Oh, he's got to wait. Okay, the spikes are done. Run forward a little bit. Okay, save your game. Save your game. <laughs> Go to the bathroom. Now hydrate. Now vibrate? Hydrate. No, hydrate. Okay. But you can vibrate, too. <laughs> You're doing really great things with video game controllers now, Dan. <laughs> Oh, you guys thought that was gross. Um, so it posits a world where everyone's Egyptian, they just don't look Egyptian at all, and, or sound it. And Osiris, who has been king of creation for a thousand years, and is the son of... Oh, well, actually, there's a long bullshit opening narration. Of course uh, there is. Of course there is. And it's all CGI It's all over point. CGI symbols. Like, there's which, no, like, weird old guy who's like, gather around, younglings. Well, there is. In the narration, it's like, it's like a long... I'm, I'm the only one left from a long time yeah. ago, so maybe the story isn't as I remember. Let me dust off this scroll for me to read aloud to you. <laughs> my, my mother always told me about Egyptian gods. <laughs> But uh, there's a voiceover that explains there's, there's Ra and his two sons, Osiris and Set. One's good, one's bad. Hey, that's how it works. And the... Thank you. Somebody sang it. <laughs> and uh, Osiris has been king of creation for a thousand years. Ra, as we find out later, lives in a space boat where every night, every night he shoots lasers out of his laser spear at a giant tooth smoke monster that's trying to eat all of creation. And because even though Ra created at all, he's still, he's not in control of all of it. I guess it's like in the book of Job, uh-huh. where God talks about Behemoth, and I think it's Behemoth, right? And uh, Leviathan. Are, are you talking about Bahamut, the god of good dragons in no, D&D? No, not at all. You know what? Forget I went down that road. No. Let's just backtrack to the crossroads, and I'm going to go down <laughs> I'm gonna go down the path not least taken, now, that's going to make all the difference. You're an Egyptologist. I've, written, this, I've read about it. I was going to say I've written about it. I have not. I've read about it. <laughs> 
Is this giant worm a thing? Is that a thing? Would you, oh, the, the, the chaos worm that eats all of creation? Yeah. I got to say, I've never come across it, but maybe it is. I don't know. Look, they, they took a lot of license, as Wait, mentioned, with the about? robot transforming. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but Osiris is like, my son Horus, who's kind of a ne'er-do-well, he's not living up to his potential, but he's got magic eyes that let him see everything, and he's never taken by surprise. He's going to be the new king, and meanwhile, there's a robber, a, a thief named Beck, who we're introduced to basically just being Aladdin in the beginning of Aladdin. Yeah. Like, he <laughs> might as well just be singing a... the song, gotta steal to eat, gotta eat to live, <laughs> otherwise we get along. Like, that's basically what he's doing. Yeah, our, our hero is introduced robbing a local small business owner. Yeah. <laughs> at, at what does looks... that anger you as a small business yes, owner? Yes, it does. <laughs> And now imagine he has none of the charisma of DJ's boyfriend from Full House. <laughs> Just like the cartoon Aladdin was gifted with. Uh, and imagine that almost everything you see in the entire movie is CGI to the point that it is almost like... Yeah, Anubis looks like Dex Dog Tective. It like, and there are so many scenes where even scenes where someone's riding a chariot, it's like the worst digital rear projection you've ever seen. And... Uh, Every, all the all the dialogue is mixed at the same low level and delivered as if they're just sitting on a couch. So even when they're like running from big snakes or the a pyramid's collapsing around them and they're making quips at each other, the quips are like, "You got to run faster. You try to run faster." Like it's <laughs> everyone is too. The visuals are so overblown. Next time and fake. you drive the chariot. <laughs> yeah, and the performances are so calm. Like they just everyone in Egypt. Like the Nile has just been like doped with pharmaceuticals from the factory that's up the that's up at the headwaters, which ironically are in the south. Even though when you look at a map, you think it's going to flow up northward. This goes to show up and down. They're constructs of our minds. Anyway, just like Buckminster Fuller said, it should be in and out, not up and down. Anyway, I digress. Uh. We're about three minutes into the film, so Beck is married. Thank you. Beck is married to a woman named Zay, who is... I thought it was Zaya. Oh, Zaya? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll remind you I saw this movie hours ago. Her, is married, her, to, married to Zaya. A her very, main character trait is that she has a plunging neckline. Yes. It's a very cleavy movie. They should have called it God's a Cleavage. There's still time. Yes. To what? Stop the process. Go to, a, go to a go to a closed blockbuster video. Yep. Slap a, a sticker over the thing. Yeah, somebody of go do that. Send us a picture. We're not going to give you anything for it, but uh, a bug literally just fell in my hair. So was it a scarab? It's <laughs> a genuine question. That's a, uh, okay, long story short, Osiris is, is uh, handing his throne over to Horus. Horus doesn't deserve it. He's in love with the god of love. They have sex in a little pool, surrounded by his handmaidens, who are regular people, so they look tiny next to him. Yep. All the gods are about 18 feet tall, 15 yeah. feet yeah. tall. And uh, so anyone, so the handmaidens, I kept thinking, were the little girls from Mothra, who are tiny, <laughs> and fit in someone's hands. That's hand. why you were singing the song. And so I was singing we the Mothra the song through much of the, those early scenes. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, right in the middle of the coronation, uh-oh, uh, Set comes along, played by Gerard Butler, who decided, I'm playing an Egyptian god of evil. I'm not even going to mask my Scottish accent. <laughs> and he comes in and he goes, I got this magic horn for you as a gift. Blow it for him. And <laughs> Horace, like, does a little jazz trill on it. Yeah. He blows it as if he's Clarence Clemens. He, <laughs> yeah. and he pose, he's got a little pose. He's, yeah, he's a little like, dip. He's like, 
yeah. It's like take my picture, album cover. Uh, that's the signal for Set's soldiers to come in and take over. Set kills Osiris, and he beats the daylights out of Horus and pulls his eyeballs out. It's okay. His eyeballs are little glowing marbles. Uh, Which was a, it was a bummer when uh, Set killed Osiris because Osiris here was played by uh, Brian Brown, the star of FX, The Deadly Art oh, of Illusion, shit. which yeah, was clearly sure. clearly a nod to all the FX. I did in this not movie. realize that um, he was disguised because he had that little soul patch, he had a little thing. goatee. Yeah, <laughs> I should have known. This, this was an Australian film, so. You see a lot of Aussie actors in there. You see a lot of people who are in Mad Max. Like Fury who? Oh, there a, a couple of the women in it were brides from yeah. Mad Max. But I think, uh, including the the IMDb, uh, according to the IMDb trivia okay. section, because I did my research, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm known for. That's my brand. <laughs> uh, but like about Stuart two, the librarian, Wellington, <laughs> yeah. they call him. About like 200 personnel in total, like visual effects people, were all from Mad Max Fury Road. Which was just about as good as this, right? Yeah, it really shows you. Some say that the director is not the guiding force of a film, and that it's in in the end wholly collaborative. I would say these two movies put up against each other would prove that very wrong. <laughs> that there is a handful of creatives at the top of the pyramid, fun, who <laughs> really set really set the tone. That's not a pun. That's just me finishing a sentence. <laughs> I also like that I basically said George Miller's a better filmmaker than Alex Proyas, and everyone was like, boo, boo, boo. Dark City's underrated. No, he's terrible. There's a lot of knowing fans in the audience tonight. Uh, so, yep. Dark City's a fine movie that doesn't age that great. You know, great. that's okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a great B-plus film. Look, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland as the weird, perverted scientist is amazing in it. That's... <laughs> But anyway, oh, also appearing Rufus Sewell in this film as hey. what's his, his name? Who has Ursha? I, don't know. I think he's like the high. He's, he's the, the head master builder because Set has now enslaved all the Egyptians. You either worship him or you're made a slave. But even the ones who worship him kind of become slaves. And they're building this huge uh, black obelisk that's two thousand feet tall as a monument to Ra, so that Set can finally get over his daddy issues. With his, <laughs> with his bald dad, uh, Jeffrey Rush, in the sky. Uh-huh. Uh, although, Jeffrey Rush, you think he's bald for most of the movie, and then it's revealed about two-thirds of the way through that he has a long white ponytail on his bald head. <laughs> and and, it is and a, instead of, like, hair stubble, his head has little gold flakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like God dandruff, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and our hero, Beck, is very unhappy about this turn of events, especially when he's separated from his wife, who is now working as the personal secretary slash assistant to the head architect. Yeah, her, her job is making sure that his scrolls don't go flying off his desk. <laughs> <laughs> Which she fails at consistently. <laughs> uh, long story short, he convinces her, I'm going to go to the place where Horace's eye is kept. Get me the scroll that has the designs so I know where the traps are. I'm going to get his eye, I'm going to give it to Horace, and then Horace is going to like, I don't know, like just save the day or give him something. I'm not sure what, because his wife still believes in Horace, still worships him, even though yeah. Horace has become a real baby and just sits blind in his own house, which is basically a tomb, just being sad all the time. Wow, wow. Yeah, now harsh critique for a man blind with people. I'm just saying, many blind people have accomplished a lot. Horace decides to accomplish nothing. <laughs> and he's a god. Imagine if the last thing you saw was Gerard Butler plucking your eyes from your head. <laughs> I would be traumatized. But you'd get over it, I guess. Eventually, yeah. We become butts. <laughs> sure. I'd forgive him. Play soccer together. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> be like, if he shows up. Yeah, exactly. He goes and he says to Horace, I'm going to get... Uh, oh no, he gets one of the eyes back already. He goes yeah. through he yeah. goes through a video game level and gets the eye back. A lot of spikes, a lot of CGI spikes and CGI statue swords and scorpions. Touch him. And scorpions. Everything CGI. Uh, Stuart, what was the comparison? CGI scorpion comparison? What is that? Uh, like five million miles of Graceland that opens with two scorpions fighting. Five million miles. <laughs> I don't to remember the name of the movie. The Ray Harryhausen Kurt Russell film. Five million miles to Graceland. <laughs> Shows a basic lack of geography knowledge. (laughs) I didn't know this was a geography podcast, guys. Uh, I would be ill-suited for it. Beck goes back to his wife, but he's captured because they replaced the scroll he stole with just a blank scroll, and the master architect of Egypt somehow could tell the difference between a blank scroll and the one where he put all his trap secrets. So they're escaping in a chariot, and the master architect shoots an arrow at his wife, and it hits her, and she dies. Oh, yeah. no. Which, he should be the master archer. That was an amazing shot. Well, they're, all, they're like most of the same letters in the beginning of the two words. Yeah, I guess, and, yeah. But, I mean, they weren't running that fast. Like, it is one of those, like, super slow running through a not-that-large set because they're... It's like a green room. It's I'm a green, guessing. yeah. It's yeah. like they're in Robert Rodriguez's basement. There's not a lot of place <laughs> <Sure>. to go. <laughs> and so he goes to Horace and he says, "I got your eye. I'm going to make you a deal. If you can bring my wife back, I'll give you your eye back, and then we'll do whatever. We'll save the day." And Horace is like, mm, "You can't really bring people back from the dead, but I'm going to lie to you and say that I can." So already the rogue and the god are keeping secrets from each other. Horace's secret is he can't fulfill his end of the bargain. And Beck's secret is that, I don't know, he's like, that he, he lost the role of Van Wilder when he auditioned for it. Because <laughs> it's like, they were like, let's get a guy who's like Ryan Reynolds, but like when he smiles, it just seems like someone taught him how to smile. Yeah. <laughs> that's really mean. I shouldn't have said that. He might listen to this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is a big fan. No, no, Ryan, I, didn't comp- I didn't insult Ryan Reynolds. I insulted the guy in the movie. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Renz is America's sweetheart. He's, he's the he's the he's, the he's never the mouth. made Come a bad on. movie. He's never made a bad movie. <laughs> it's proven. Okay, they go on a they go on a magic quest. They stick his dead wife in a drawer. They stick her in a drawer so that she'll keep. They put her in Horace's crisper yep. to keep her fresh, and she's got to walk the afterlife because. And this is. I thought this was a perversion of Egyptian mythology, but it turns out they're just setting up a, a change later on. She's going to be in the afterlife where Anubis is keeping a close eye on her. Anubis, as you mentioned, looks like Dexter Detective. And in this version of Egypt, if you don't have gold to give to the afterlife judges, then you disappear. But if you give them gold, you dissolve in a better way. It's yeah. like yeah. when you see it happen, both, both both the poor man and the rich man dissolve. And it's like, yeah, the, the, the rich guy's is. like, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> and then he disappears. And then the poor woman just screams and then disappears. Yeah. But uh, they weigh it against a feather, and if you don't, if it's lighter than a feather, then you don't get in. Anyway, that's not how Egyptian mythology works. It made me mad. But at the end of the movie, they kind of explain it, so it's okay. I'll get there. They go on a series of quest adventures, of which I don't remember the order. So let's just tell you some of them. Uh, one of the they fight uh, a bunch of bull men who work for Set on a waterfall, uh-huh. all CGI. The water looks like some kind of viscous glue. The, well, the only real thing in the scene is uh, is Nikolai Koster. How do you say his name? I don't know. Call him the guy from uh, Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Uh, which is mainly him just like spinning around and like the camera's spinning around constantly. I forgot and that was him. They probably just put him on a wire and had him. Like, 
spinning around. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, spinning was involved. Yeah, I put him on a sure big that. lazy Susan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a movie maker, but that yeah. sounds like it works. Uh, at one point, uh, these two kind of like merc- like warrior-esque concubines of sets yep. ride two giant snakes, uh-huh. uh, like kind of sandworm types at them, and by working together, they're able to defeat them, and then also the god of love shows up and helps them. And do you guys remember any of the other quests? They have to go. They, they go, go to the pyramid to get to the Sphinx. Well, they, they go, go into they outer take, space. They, gotta, they go to outer space to go to Ra so that he can get. Oh, they have to go. And they talk to, to a, Jeffrey Rush, who slaps his chest a couple times, each time growing slightly bigger and, and then more catching fiery. on fire. Yeah. He also, oh, that's right. First, they go to a mountain where he prays to Ra to ha- get the strength to turn back into a metal griffin man again. Uh, this is Horus, not Beck. Come on. Beck's immortal. Uh-huh. And, he, uh, so he just gets carried up there like, <laughs> like a little baby. Just, <laughs> yeah. there, it is, there, the, uh, I'm realizing the how much this just sounds really... like gibberish, as we say it. Here's the thing. The, my first exposure to this film was the subway posters, which was some kind of cyborg metal jackal man fighting some kind of cyborg metal griffin man. With gold splatters all With over With gold the place. splatters all over. And I was like, this is either going to be the best or worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> And what we got was not the best. It was like someone. It, it, every scene in this movie, I was like, "This could be a like this could be a really fun, good movie." But they're not doing it right. Gremlin Battler just hams it up as a bad guy. Gremlin, he it, like he's not one of the worst parts. Like he does fine in it. Especially when, at least when he raises his like, voice when he's trying to emote. Everyone else he, is just modulating. When he's like low. a computer-generated armor guy with just his head on top. of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What it felt That's like at great. times was like if someone read Jack Kirby's Fourth World New Gods books, which are great, and which are and they're amazing, and said like I want to make a movie like that, but I'm not going to put like any of my soul into it, <laughs> and it's gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna go have a pretty boilerplate dialogue, and also the effects are not gonna look that great. Like we're gonna use a lot of them, but they're not gonna look that great. But there's more adventures to be had because they also go they walk through a swamp to find the hiding place of the God of Wisdom. My favorite character in the movie because he's super sassy. Yeah. And they take him to go answer the riddle of the Sphinx so that they can get to the heart of the desert. Why are you looking at me? Uh, he's played by what's his face? And you know what? <laughs> the guy who played Black I'm, Panther. You know the face who I'm what's it saying? Yeah. Ch- Chadwick Boseman, thank Chadwick you. Chadwick Boseman. He's yeah. the best character Live in the movie. Live show pays off. Finally. <laughs> The, uh, the, here's, the, here's the thing they want to do. Apparently, Set's power comes from the desert because much like Willie Loman's brother who went into the jungle at 21 and came out a rich, a wealthy man, uh, Set, Set, having forbidden, been forbidden by Ra to marry and have a child, wandered into the desert and came back with the power of the desert. And also... Uh, An army? I assume it haunts Osiris' dreams since Osiris is a failed salesman. Yeah. But, uh, and, and he came back with an army and big scare beetles that pull his chariot and stuff. And so, they, if we can go to the source of the Nile, apparently, the source of the desert or the Nile, I don't remember, which is something called the Desert Fire or some nonsense, something and like drop that. this mystic water that we took from Ra's sail barge, mm-hmm. and drop it in, it'll destroy the desert. It'll quench the thirst of the desert, and that will kill Set's power. And so, they have to get through the Sphinx to do that. And what I didn't realize is the Sphinx gives you as many tries as you need. Yeah. As long as, like... He I don't know. Trying, he keeps trying a... to crush them, and Horus is fighting him while the God of Wisdom is just guessing stuff. And then finally, uh, and then Beck, remember, you know, figures it out because Beck is—he's uh, pretty, you know, he's pretty clever for a mortal. Yeah, he's a sassy little mortal guy. Yeah, uh, and then the and then the Sphinx goes, "Oh, bother!" and dissolves. But 
No, you th- he literally goes, oh, bother, and yeah. dissolves. <laughs> That's actually what happens. Because everyone in Egypt is English, except for the ones that are Scottish <laughs> or American. I mean, this I, he's apparently Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Is my yeah, Winnie the Sphinx or Sphinxy the Pooh? Or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got the my Pooh. head caught in the yeah, biggest honey pot. honey pot in Egypt. <laughs> oh, no. There's a rumbling in my tumbling. Riddle me this. He's also the Riddler. I like, yep. He's the original Riddler. I want to see, like, a Sphinxy Eeyore now, too. It's like, oh, no one's come by to knock down my pyramid yet. Wow, you're, you're really good at that, Dan. <laughs> How'd you tap into Eeyore's soul like that? Hollywood? Yes. Have I got the right voice actor for you? Eeyore spinoff you've been looking for? Hey, that gritty Eeyore reboot? It's your nephew, Gary Milne. I got got that character you've been looking for. Well, listen to this. Listen to this. Say it again, Dan. Say it again. I don't know why I'm miming a phone. And doing it poorly. Any improv person would tell me this is a bad phone because I'm sticking my pinky I in my thumb out. I love the idea that, like, say it again, like, in a movie, like, you, you stop playing the song. It's like, oh, he was here just a second ago. <laughs> well, can you play that same song you were just playing? No, we just did it. It's a live <laughs> chassette. Uh, so they, they, man, they're about to dump that magic water in that fire, and then, boom, spike trap, of course. Uh, the gods are caught. Beck's the only one around. He has... A good couple of minutes while Gerard Butler appears and taunts our other heroes. That's after he rips out Chadwick Boseman's brain. Yeah, he rips out Chadwick Boseman's brain because that's the God of Wisdom special part. And it's, of course, a glowing brain made out of glass that in a later scene... Well, I'll get to it after this. And I'm saying, like, oh, like, oh, he's going to eat it to get his powers. And it's basically that. Well, I he, mean, he, like, it's he not... gets into his magic dragon form and they use, a, like, literally blowtorches and stuff to pound the parts of the other gods that he stole from. He's been waging a war on the gods and stealing their special parts. Yeah, he's like, oh, what's the the great, what's the best body part of all these people? Snatch. Yoink. Now put it in me. Now put it in me. He's Serpentor, basically. Yeah, he kind of is Serpentor, yeah. Except there wasn't so much, like, hammering stuff into him with sledgehammers with Serpentor. No, they didn't just, they, like, cook him in a like, Yeah, well, they used oven? the parts of all of history's worst people. Uh, but Get. also, and they never got Sergeant Slaughter's courage. That's what I That's remember. That's true, yeah. That's yeah. why he's kind of a wimp and he always runs away. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, Beck has a lot of time to pour this magic water in, but he's so busy, captivated by the drama of Set and his nephew Horace arguing with each other, that Set manages to walk over and just pour the water out on the ground. Uh-oh, it's no good. And things go from bad to worse because the pyramid's falling down all around them. Uh, there's yeah, why did that do. happen? Uh, because. Why did it? But did, did Seth make his own pyramid? As there's like, a dance, as dance when we were watching it. Yeah, it was like, there's two minutes where no one was running and jumping from something. <laughs> there's, yeah, nothing's falling, nothing's falling down on anyone's head. Uh, Set goes up to Ra and he's like, how you like me now, Dad? How you like me now? Huh? Does this, you know, like, you never let me have a kid, and we never played catch, like, now? And Ra's like, mmm, I still don't like you that much. Well, but it's kind of, one of the things that uh, you had commented on earlier was that at least Ra was not like... Well, then they sell that out, though. But when they first talk to Ra about it, he goes, they're like, he killed your son. And Ra goes, Set is also my son, as is all of this creation. It's all my creation. And it, it was one of those things where it's like, that was a believable moment for me of Ra as a god who is like, I made all of this. If something bad happens, I made that too. 
And then so said, don't come up and tell me that the wrong thing is happening because I made all of it happen. Then he's like, excuse me while I shoot laser blasts <laughs> at this giant space <laughs> no, worm. Excuse me while I use yeah, my laser spear to stop this mouth monster from eating the whole creation. Uh, because that's, it's like, it wants to do, I've com- like I compared it to Jack Kirby stuff before. Jack Kirby basically would take sci-fi superheroes and he'd like craft a thing about like the journey that a soul takes through challenges and obstructions to stay true to itself. This was kind of like that without that. So it was just that it was just like, what if the Egyptian gods were all kind of superheroes and they all had like laser weapons and superpowers mm-hmm. and they turned into robots. So at this point, uh, Set kills his dad. Set kills his dad and takes his power, which is his Tosses spear. Tosses him into the space ocean. Except he's not really dead. He just needs his spear back, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Horus and Beck, they're like, that's it, it's over, da 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 uh, The goddess of love has given up her magic 42 diamond demon keeping away bracelet so that Beck can go see There's his wife so in the afterlife again. Yeah. In this this is a subplot I'm not even going to get into very no, much. Well, no, like, yeah, no, it's important. Beck wants to go to the afterlife. To, to see go. his wife. Yeah, to try and like he, Who's to, in to hot let water. her. Uh, yeah, she's about to be judged, and she has nothing to put on the scales. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Beck's like, "I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me?" <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Gonna go down. Boom! Finally. Boom! Nice work. I'll bring my wife these two turntables and this microphone. Yeah. <laughs> that that must weigh more than a feather. Uh, but yeah, th- we're we're into big apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah, the but not apocalypse tur- now. The worm which is, is a great movie. <laughs> The worm has turned and has started to eat the world. Yeah, and so while she's about to be judged, this chaos worm starts eating all of the afterlife, and Anubis is like, I gotta fight him, but I can't do it. Beck, go back to Horus and tell him he's gotta stop this shit. So Horus, Beck goes back, he and Horus go, and they challenge Set. They manage to uh, convince the master architect to take them through the Black Needle Pyramid to get to the top where... So Set is kind of using Ra's spear to guide the the chaos worm. He yeah, tells Ra because then part. Ra's like Set, Set is I don't using ap- Ra's spear to guide the chaos worm. <laughs> that it's, should it, sound normally great. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. It's like weird Egyptian fridge poetry. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you mean hieroglyphics? Okay. <laughs> yeah, take that ancient language. <laughs> Just a bunch of freaking pictures. Anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you, eyeball bird. <laughs> eyeball bird me? No, 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 no. Eyeball bird you. <laughs> Anonymous scribes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. Hatsep shut. I don't know if that's a real name. Uh, let, me, wait, tell, let me tell you something. Aknoten. Okay, that's mm-hmm. a good one. So. Take your kopesh and go somewhere else. <laughs> Listen, Sesosphorus. They have uh-huh. hilarious names. But anyway, uh, long story short, there's another big battle. Uh, Beck falls off a building during it. and Horace is like, I'm going to save Beck rather than save my eye. Because his, his eye... He can't morph into a robot if he doesn't no, have no, both no, eyes. No, no, no. No, no, uh, contraire. As it happens, the thing that he needed all the time was to protect his people. He the needed, fifth so element? It turns out his magic... Yeah. <laughs> He, the, Corbin his, Dallas multipass? <laughs> it turns out the magic eye he was looking for was like a Dumbo's feather type scenario, and the power was in him as long as he was using it for good. In this case, like to that scene where Dumbo turns into a robot Griffin, <laughs> and hey, he flies. He, he turns flies. into a robot that's like one of those like fucking like uh, we're gonna. Uh, yeah, where are you going with this? Yeah. <laughs> one of those videos Logan that robots. were like, uh, let's show what. Uh, 
high definition television can do. You know what I'm talking about? Like okay. the magic. Sure. Oh, like the wait. I don't it's magic eyes. Stuff? Not what? magic eyes. Like the when like, like the lightning like the mind's eye, like the CGI eye. stuff. That's what I mean, that's about. pretty high def. All right. That's just showing what computer graphics are capable let's of. Let's all yeah. realize that this was a road that I shouldn't have gone down. <laughs> no, and, and let's keep going it. down yeah, it. You know what? There's, this is the road to uh, what? Uh, to uh, nothing to but Wellville. trouble, Sylvania. And we're just going to keep going. We're going to ignore all the signs. Just keep heading until Dan Aykroyd throws yeah. us through through Mr. Bone. It was called Valkenvania. Valkenvania. That's right. <laughs> Look, I have so much in my brain right now being used to remember gods of Egypt. I can't remember nothing but trouble. Uh, they, it turns out they win the day in the end. What? Hey, yes. Yeah, Get out of here. The chaos worm doesn't devour the source of life, no, the Set Nile? Gets, Set gets killed. Horus gives the, the staff back to Ra, which wakes Ra up from his death sleep because dead Ra yeah, at his house fine. floating in space. Waits, that makes sense to me. You know, d- d- dead dreaming or whatever it is. And uh, he shoots his, he goes, you will not eat the world or something. And I like yeah. the most fun part of this. The is, world is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> The most fun, there's two fun things in this movie. One is there's one scene where Gerard Putler, Butler puts on a scarab-shaped helmet and just imagining him showing up at the set and then being, this is what you're wearing in the scene. And Gerard Butler being like, I'm not wearing this fucking shite. <laughs> but then he had to do it. And the other is imagining Jeffrey Rush in front of a green screen wearing what's essentially a bathrobe and a ponytail. <laughs> just going like, just going like, you shall not devour creation. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I like that they shot it all like at a spa that Jeffrey Rush was at. They just put up a green screen. Well, I'm going to be at Canyon Ranch these dates, so come on by. <laughs> You'll add like fire and lasers and stuff, so it looks like I'm doing something, right? I don't care. I'm Jeffrey Rush. There is, a great, there is a great scene near the end when uh, when Rufus Sewell, who is playing a bad guy, big surprise, of course. Is, is fighting our Not even going to tell the story about when I saw him in a play playing good guy who's great. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> it's Tom Stoppard's hey, rock and roll. I saw him play for once, too. I saw him in that? Richard III and. Uh, London. Oh. He was terrible. Really? Because he was yeah. really good in rock it and roll. It was a bad production. Okay, that's too anyway, bad. So he takes hey, his bathrobe off. Can, you can still be good in a bad production. Jared Harris when I saw him as Hamlet. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> so he takes his bathrobe off and he's covered in a head-to-toe like uh, gold toga or something and he's like, oh, I got my afterlife paid for. And then he's just <laughs> about to get killed when uh, Beck's like, Oh, uh, the chaos worm's gonna eat creation. So, uh, so you're not going to the afterlife. you're not going to the afterlife. And he <laughs> There's literally, a great moment. Rufus Sewell literally looks at the camera and is like, "What?" <laughs> he goes, he goes, "Oh!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's and and, and falls he, he to his death. Lunges to his doom. Uh, everyone falls off of buildings in this movie eventually. Uh, and <laughs> don't we all, Elliot? Beck is Beck is eventually. dead, and Horace takes him to his crisper to lay him next to his wife. Ra shows up and he goes, I've never been in debt to anybody, but I'm in debt to you. What would you like? And he goes, the one, and uh, Horace says, the one thing I can never provide. And Ra brings Beck back, brings Zaya back. They're mm-hmm. alive. Hey. Maybe. And now Horace takes his rightful place as king because he's the son of the other king. Why wouldn't he rule everybody? Surely what they didn't learn from this is that monarchy is a joke and that, <laughs> that the Egyptian dynasty, as even for the thousands of years it ran, is built on the false idea that a mortal man is a god. I just It makes me really mad when I think about how long they managed to pull that scam off. <laughs> like, sure. you guys don't need to have a say in your lives. I'm totally a god. Anyway... I married my sister. I'm a god now. Whatevs. Anyway, so. I feel like you're just jealous. I am not, one, the word to be envious. They're not stealing something from me. And two, I'm wow. not. <laughs> that is a distinction that has not been made for God knows how long. Dan, do we were saying? I was just going to say, so, but Horace. Oh, we're not done first, with the ending, though. Yeah. Horace in his first act as king 
makes a pretty big change to the way things work. He says, well, he, the one it, it's so, he's like, hey, I'm going to be about helping people. So from now on, the afterlife's not based on bringing treasure. It's based on the good deeds you do, because the important thing is to be compassionate to each other. And it's like... Which is bullshit, dude. What about all the gold I saved? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with all this damn gold? There's all these rich people you imagine going, oh, <laughs> I was really hoping they were going to cut to Rufus Sewell, like, right in line for the scales. <laughs> and, and he's like, like, put my gold on. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, rules changed. And that's what made the whole movie. I'm like, that's not how it works. You weigh your heart against a feather, and if it's heavy with sin and weighs more than the feather, then you disappear. But they fixed it at the end. Uh, that's to show he's a good king. And uh, so Beck movie, is like, Horace is like, I'm going to go off on some kind of quest or some nonsense. So Beck, I'm going to leave you in charge or something. He's like, he's the Tyrion to Daenerys. You know, and they're like, just hanging out in Egypt. You pronounce those names weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. How it's, how's it pronounced? Uh, Tyrion and Daenerys? It's totally That's what exactly what he said. He said it weirder, though. I cannot hear the difference. I'm standing, I'm sitting right between the two of you. <laughs> it's like a stereo in my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our voices are identical. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you know, that's it. That's the, that's the Is moment. there any, and is there no, and, and, uh, Horace is like, I got... Cut to credits, nothing I, but bloops. I got a quest, <laughs> I got a quest uh, so to do when bloops. he flies off. He does his Spider-Man swinging around at the end of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans and flies around the CGI Egypt, and we're done. I'm, Cue the bloops. <laughs> I like the idea that they were like really like like one of the bloops was oh like instead of turning into like a, a bird man, I turned into a bear. <laughs> oh no! How did this happen, guys? Oh, what a I bloop. forgot what animal I was supposed to turn into. Line Eagle Man. All right, of course. So it's a movie that it had it was packed full of stuff. Like, it was packed full of crazy stuff, and probably 87% of what was on screen never existed. It was all computer-animated things. That's probably right, yeah. And uh, so looking at, let's do what we always do every episode and come up with one thing we liked about the movie. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Not we, a thing. Every episode. It's never been a thing. And I'm going to say, <laughs> I, really, reoccurring bit. I really liked Black Panther's performance as the God of Wisdom. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He brings, like, an arch, almost like Wentworth Miller performance well, to it. Yeah, as long as we're doing performances, I really like Rufus Sewell's performance. He was kind of camp in it. Yeah, he's and I very enjoyed camp. It. Yeah. Uh, and I liked it when they morphed into robots and fought each other. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they showed these uh, human giants morph into robot flying guys, they almost expected the audience to be like, whoa! <laughs> Which, like, after you've seen that a million times and the rest of the movie is all fake, nothing is going to make you say whoa anymore. No. And I will admit, I liked some parts of the scene where they're being chased by the giant, the giant snake worms. Yeah, I mean, that was okay. I like giant snake worms. Sure, who doesn't? Dan, did you like the giant snake worms? Sure. But aside from those things... <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I got those posters of giant snake worms on my bedroom wall. <laughs> Stare up them every night. You're a weird kid. It's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> We like should... Especially that one poster where the snake worm has noticeable nipples. Yeah. Like that's... <laughs> how's she gonna mil- how's she gonna feed her baby? And a real blowout. Uh, <laughs> we should uh... too much audience support for the idea of that poster. <laughs> we should move on to the next segment. We should. Uh... Well, should we do final judgments? Do final judgments. The thing we really do. Was this a good bad movie? Gods of Egypt. We are the law. Or a movie we kind of liked. Gods of Egypt's disease were the cure. (laughs) (laughs) 
Tostitos for everybody. Hey, look. Uh, Sly Stallone's pretty nervous. I don't know if he's going to be around all these people, but if he stopped by, I don't know what to tell you. So, Dan, what's your, was this a, a bad, huge movie? Was it a good, war movie? Or was it a, was it a sleepy sensation? I did not fall asleep during this movie, which puts it above two movies that we watched. <laughs> Uh, you know, we also watched it at 1 p.m. as opposed to 8 p.m. <laughs> uh, if you had fallen asleep, it would have been a real, I would have worried about you physically. For about half an hour, I was like, this is a good, bad movie, but it's a bad, bad movie. It, it bored me. I'm sorry. I apologize to Alex Proyas, to Gerard Butler. To, you go through the whole I mean, I don't think, <laughs> I think Gerard Butler's still going to punch if, if he sees this. <laughs> Nikolai Koster Waljo. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah. It was it was too long, but I'm going to say it was a good bad movie. Because Whoa. despite being too long, and by the end of it, I was tired of it. One, if it's a good bad movie, just turn it off when you're done watching it. You don't need to watch the whole thing. And two, every couple of minutes, there was some kind of crazy CGI monster throwing a building at somebody, or getting or getting their leg cut off and gold blood spewing everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to back up Elliot on this one. Ooh. Oh. You know it's, what that it's means, It's worth Dan. it for the shots of people riding in chariots with the super fakey backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. alone. Those were, like, <laughs> any scene where it's a close-up of somebody and a background flying past them really fast is hilarious. No, like, I mean, it's, the effects it looked, are funny. It looked like a scene in a Quentin Tarantino movie where he's doing that deliberately fakey <laughs> yeah. to, like, make you laugh. Not but. since uh, Pompeii has I, have I seen effects so goofy hilarious. Mm-hmm. All right, so you okay, have it here. I'm wrong. stuff done around here. <laughs> but the people have spoken because we live in a democracy, not a bullshit monarchy like ancient Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Dan breaking in here with a little Flophouse housework. Please don't hit that skip button because we've got some exciting news. We are going on our first um, tour. Well... Let's not call it a tour because it's just one place. But our first live show outside of the New York uh, City area, we will be in Washington, D.C. on August the 5th. That's a Friday doing a show at Black Cat. Uh, The show is at 9 p.m. Tickets are twenty dollars. Um, a little more expensive than when we do shows in New York, but we got to cover our travel expenses. Uh, and we hope to see you all there. If you live in the D.C. metro area, please uh, come by and see us. And if you can get there, come by and see us. This is a sort of a proof of concept for doing more touring. So we have to try and bump up the crowds as much as we possibly can to prove that we are a draw. And then maybe we'll... Uh, Go uh, other places like the West Coast, perhaps, perhaps even Canada. Who knows? We're uh, looking into a lot of options right now. So please, uh, tickets are available at at a link that I will put up on the website uh, for this show. Uh, If I forget to put it up for this show, it's still there on the website. If you click on the blog area, there's an announcement for the show. Or if you go to MaximumFun.org, it is listed among the live shows. So we hope to see you again on August 5th at 9 p.m. at Black Cat in Washington, D.C. But uh, we also have a message up on the Jumbotron this week. It's to Peter from Surge who says, Hello, Peaches. I've grown old and have not done enough good in my life. My one surely good act was to introduce my son, Peter, 
graduating from the University of Vermont this week, to the Flophouse. He has since listened to every episode and participates actively on the Flophouse Facebook page. Is this enough, Serge? I would say that that's plenty, Serge. There is no greater gift a man can give to his child than the gift of the Flophouse. Uh, thank you for writing in uh, for your son, Peter, and in support of the Flophouse. Uh, lastly, this week, the Flophouse is spent, sponsored by Mac Weldon. Uh, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Their clothes are designed to be the most comfortable you will ever wear. Underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants. All of their products are naturally antimicrobial, which means that they eliminate odor. And uh, they would like you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep that pair and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Um, so if you want to try out Mack Weldon's underwear and more, you can go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code FLOP. I am literally wearing some right now and they are delightful. So now we take you back to the cake shop in New York City. Uh, thanks again to the PodFest for having us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, so normally now is when we would do letters, but as is our tradition, when we have a live show, we're going to take questions from the audience. Questions so from the audience. We have this microphone set up over here. It's currently pointing away from the audience, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. But So you'll have to walk around. Uh, hey guys, I know you low. might be scared to get up and talk, to ask us a question. Don't be scared, because we won't bite. Tonight is the night we won't bite. If you ask us a question, normally we would tear out a chunk of flesh with our teeth. If you bothered, if you had the temerity... To ask us a question, we are your gods, like the gods of Egypt, biting each other, sister and brother, fighting each other for the crown of Egypt. But tonight, we won't, we just don't. Tonight. Tonight. Uh, Stuart. Do you have a verse in you? Uh, tonight. <laughs> That's it. Okay. That was G- just, give, me some that le- was the, give me some letters. That was the briefest Smashing Pumpkins cover I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's do some, some verbal, some vocal letters. We call them questions. Dan, is there, a, uh, is there any, sort of, uh, any sort of protocol for this? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, we all have been at uh, Q&As where you're like, what the fuck was that? Why did that person answer that? Qu- why did that person ask that question? Or sometimes it's like not a question. Someone's like, "I have a question," and then it's just a story about something. Yeah. Uh, so the protocol is: if you would be in your seat saying, "Like, why the fuck is that guy doing that? That is a terrible question." Maybe don't ask it. If somebody else was asking the thing you were asking, and you would find it boring, then don't ask that question. Also. A lot of times people want to come up with these things and tell the speakers how much they like them. Don't worry about it. We know you like us. You're here. That's really nice. <laughs> we appreciate it. That's really nice. That's a lot of pressure. And, and, you, and they do the introduction with the first name and the last name withheld, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Here, speak closer to the microphone. Here, wait. Get uh, up in there. Yeah, put it up in your, put it up in your grill. But. Uh, no, I That's a fumble except that word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's not a bad word around here. What I 
am most interested in is what was the scariest scene you three have seen? Uh, today? So, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> in, in the movies we watched for this podcast or just in general? In general. Oh, okay. What is the scariest thing that you three have seen? In also, a movie. Dan, you killed it. Um, killed podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you. He lost faith in his question halfway through. Uh, but scariest scene we've ever seen in anything. Uh, I don't know whether this is actually the scariest scene, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. It's a was... little movie called The Parent Trap. No. <laughs> I was like, what if someone cuts the back of my dress away? <laughs> They're trying to get those two parents back together. They're just going to go apart again. <laughs> You know they're going to be disappointed. Uh, so, uh, The Thing, the remake of The Thing. I thought you said The Thing for a minute. The Thing. <laughs> you know, That Thing. Like a sexy, sassy version of The Thing. That Thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, The Thing. <laughs> Someone correctly in the audience correctly identified the reference as Lauren Hill. You. <laughs> You Thank win goodness. the no prize. <laughs> so the okay. whole movie, or is there a specific scene in the thing? No, You're the, about the uh, carpenter version. The blo- uh, the, it's not the, the gross blood monsters. Testing, the, it's the scene where they're uh, they're the, gotta the, put the, the uh, defibrillator. The defibrillator on the yeah, that's a scary and scene. The chest opens up and chomps down with big chest teeth. On the guy. <laughs> and you're like, chests don't normally do that. Ninety yeah. percent <laughs> of the time, I've never seen chests do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say for me, for me growing up, the scariest thing was still those uh, the twin girls in The Shining. Uh, Super scary! Yeah. Ah! Won't ride my big wheel around there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, sir. Even wanting to, but no, you won't. thank you. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I got one hotel we shouldn't stay at. <laughs> I think as a kid, it was probably Large Marge and He Was Big Adventure. Or there's one ghost in Ghostbusters who's driving a taxi cab at the end. And that ghost is too scary. And he's like, now I, I look at him ghost. and he's like the Crypt Keeper, which is, means he's adorable. But at the, time, was too, at the time, I was scared by the Crypt Keeper. So. Yeah, now every time you get in a cab, you're like, please be the ghost from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that would be amazing. But uh, I don't know. It's a good, as an adult, I don't know. I think, I, uh, I think oh, as an adult, it would be difficult because now as a dad, anytime a kid is in peril, it's scary to me. But in a way that is... Not like fun. There's a scene in Under the Skin where a child is left on a beach and you know no one's coming for it. And it's a small kid. And you also know that like they needed this kid to cry for the movie. And it's just like, it's not a, it's a good movie, but it's like that scene was a little too much for me. The kid's going to become a Mowgli or something, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, an octopus is going to take him underwater and teach him how to breathe underwater. And they're going to happen. Someday you'll have to go to the land fish again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the man under the skin two sounds great. Yeah. It's called Jungle Book Two, the Ocean Book. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe uh, nothing has ever been as scary to me. I think as when I was a kid seeing a cardboard cutout in the video store of Chucky and being like, <laughs> "What is that? I don't like it." <laughs> and of course, now Chucky is adorable. <laughs> that's okay. So that's I answers that one. Yeah. Yay, next question. Next question. Let's keep it moving. Hey. Hi, I'm Corinne, last name withheld. Hi, Corinne. Hi, Hi guys. Let's hear it for Corinne. <laughs> 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 
Thanks for your question. Talk to you later. Um, my question is, so you guys have announced your first road show. I assume this means you're going to get a sweet airbrushed van. What's going to be airbrushed on the side? I think you, I think Stuart tweeted, a, somebody tweeted a picture at us. Of, of the a, tall man from Phantasm? There was a Phantasm But van. instead of flying balls, it's our heads. Yeah. And I we're like smiling it. because it's a really enjoyable thing. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's like uh, the Star Wars, the like Boris Vallejo type Star Wars poster. And you, Stuart is Luke. And Dan is Leia, and I'm like what? I don't know what an X-wing or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I All don't right. know. Yeah, that was good enough. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Let's get another cue up here so we can a it. I love this guy's uh, dollar sign. Oh blank. yeah, they they uh, threw it out to the crowd to uh, in- increase hype. That was yeah, that was given out earlier before. <laughs> um, he didn't walk here from the subway right now. <laughs> Although he will walk back to the subway with it. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Matt, uh, last name withheld. Hi, and, Matt. Hi, Matt. Um, I share a lot in common with each of you, and uh, I love musicals. I love actually good movies. I love D&D modules. Yay! So I me. wanted to ask, of all the movies you've covered during your time in the Flophouse, what would you like to turn into a musical? What do you think is a salvageable, actually good movie and what would you like to rewrite as a Dungeons and Dragons module? Oh, oh. good question. Three That's questions. That's a good in question. One. Solid question. Good question. Good question. Good question. Good question. Good question. I think so. I got two. So I got two choices. One, strangely enough, is Gods of Egypt because that would make a bonkers musical. Julie Taymor up that stuff. But the other would be, and this might, don't, don't just take it as the fact that these are the most recent ones we've seen, maybe I don't remember the others, that <laughs> We Are Your Friends could make a real Rent-style musical, which I wouldn't like, but a lot of teen girls would buy that soundtrack and I'd make a lot of money. So, And then in 20 years, they'd all be like, I'm embarrassed I liked that so much. <laughs> and I would have been right all along. So you guys? Jesus. I, this question presupposes that we don't forget every movie that we watch <laughs> nearly immediately. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, trying to talk about Gods of Egypt, that between 1 and 11 tonight, uh, half of it at least went out of our brains. Yeah. But, I mean, you took a huge nap, dude. <laughs> that's, that's like your body just getting rid of the day's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and what else would you call Gods of Egypt than that? Uh, so I'm just going to go with a movie recently that I kind of liked. If, if Burnt didn't, if it didn't make the main character such an asshole and it had him actually encounter a few real uh, obstacles on his way. His head almost gets sous-vide-ed. Yeah. Yeah. I was corrected by a friend of mine in the pronunciation of that and I don't remember what the, what the real pronunciation is. Sous-vide. It sounds like a, like a culinary superhero, sous-vide. I like it. Uh, and since that's the closest thing to a joke I'm going to find here, <laughs> I'm just going to move along. Okay, for a D&D module, uh, I would say my best bet is with Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure! <laughs> I, I cannot, like, what spells would you have to cast on that big floating sombrero to get it yeah. to move? Oh, I man, wanted a CR on that thing would be so high. I don't know how you can defeat it. So what sort of character uh, character classes would be, like, Toofy B, 
He's versus Toofy's got to be a rogue, right? <laughs> I don't remember what they did. Toofy's the one whose pants fall down all the time. <laughs> then there's Science Boy, and then there's the girl. Okay. And there's oh, and Bobby, Bobby Wobbly. Wobbly. Oh, oh, he's man. got some kind of a terror attack. There's, he's like, <laughs> wait, Bobby Wobbly's like chaotic evil, right? <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. Certainly. <laughs> Bobby Wobbly is the monster you throw in just to be a dick to your friends because there's no way they can beat it. <laughs> That's the one where I'm like, I can't wait to read the description in the book about how scary he is. <laughs> okay, turn the lights down and then put on, I don't know, uh, this filter album because <laughs> it's really scary and badass. <laughs> I think that answers the question, I guess. Sure. Good question. Good question. A lot of pressure. Hi, uh, it's Liz, Etsy store withheld, because I've been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, my Hi, qu- Liz. Hi, Stu. Hi, Liz. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, so my question is, what is your favorite stupid monster from anything, basically? And I have two examples. <laughs> All right. One being the compact disc Cenobite from Hell- Hellraiser 3. Took my answer. Oh, going to have to come and, up with another All right, one. all right. And the other one being uh, in Silent Hill 4, The Room, there is a hospital patient monster that burps when you hit it. And, oh, no, oh we're not at the best part yet. If you happen to hit it down a flight of stairs, it will burp on every step it hits. And it's a thing in an otherwise very frightening game that made me laugh so hard I felt like I was having a stroke. <laughs> so, stupid monsters. Stupid monsters. Uh, because stupid Eric Marsizak is in the audience tonight. Woo! Uh, I'm gonna, Woo! Superstar Eric Marsizak. Let's, let's take a moment out for this question to answer who is Eric Marsizak? Eric Marsizak is. Among other things, the guy who introduced Dan and me, and yeah. so that's true. And was the was the comedy mastermind behind the late lamented Juvie Hall Theater, where we spent a lot of time performing. Put up uh, a show called Sarah Schaefer's Obsessed with You. You may know Sarah Schaefer from television. Yeah. So he's a real comedy impresario. Yeah. But uh, he introduced me to a film called, and Elliot, I believe, to a film called Hard Rock Zombies. Oh, oh yeah. That's We've talked thing. about, it on, on the podcast before, there's a Nazi zombie, like, like gnome creature. He's like, like a puppet. He's a little puppet who, through the movie, for inexplicable reasons, is slowly eating himself. He's eating his own, he's eat, and he's like, he, he has like a jar like of sugar, or, sugar and he salt puts it on, on him, and he's eating, and then by the end of it, he's got no skin left, and the mask that's on the puppet just gets sucked into the mouth. <laughs> I don't know so what funny. he, I don't know what was supposed to be scary about that, or why, <laughs> why he was doing that, or what, what's threatening about someone who basically disposes of themselves yeah. as a threat. I don't know. I didn't make you're, the movie. You're the maker of Hard Rock <laughs> Zombies, right? I didn't make it. I wish I had. So we vamped for long enough. So yeah. Let's answer this question, Elliot. I'm having trouble thinking because all monsters are amazing. So I'm going to say difficult. Chet from uh, Weird Science. That's the brother. <laughs> Wait, that gets turned he's into a like, monster. Hold on I mean, a second. He looks, I mean, he's a terrible brother. That's true. <laughs> he gets turned into kind of a thing. Like a pile end. of poop with arms. Yeah. If that's not the definition of a monster, <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> But okay, I'll take it. Stupid monster. I think I'm gonna take. Uh, it's not. Uh, mm, uh. Good, I, good podcasting. You know what? Okay. You know what? Can't think of a stupid monster, but I'll tell you a stupid monster trope that I don't like. I'll give you an example of it. Which is when a monster is mistaken for a person in a costume. 
Yep. I'll give you an example, which is the movie The Giver, in which a guy with transforms... With Mark Hamill, with yeah. With Mark Hamill, yeah. which a guy transforms into a monster and accidentally runs onto a movie set, and they think that he's the guy in a costume for the movie. And it's like, come on. That's, uh, that, like, that exists in a universe where Halloween costumes and costumes in general are way better than they are in the real world, and I cannot buy that. Because usually... Even if someone's wearing a costume, they still have to wear shoes. Monsters, unless it's Dracula or the Wolfman halfway through. <laughs> or I guess Frankenstein's monster, they don't wear shoes. I'm sorry. I mean, Frankenstein's, kind of kn- Frankenstein's monster is kind of known for yeah, his you, shoes. Get, yeah, shut Woo. your mouth, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of what? He's known for his shoes. Like his, he is a footwear Yeah, he's based. known for his line of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does look like he's wearing, like, uh, Doc Martens. All the time. Well, it's ironic because what he's actually responsible for is Steve Madden shoes. <laughs> and that's why in all his ads, you see horrible kind of inhuman creations. <laughs> he's wearing shape-ups, which is why his, <laughs> that's why his butt is so tight. Is, even though he was given the butt of someone who never worked out, it looks amazing now. <laughs> Those shoes don't work. Anyway, that's... That's so the answer to that. There you go. I couldn't think of one. And I know on the way home, I'll be thinking of a couple. So anyway, I'll let you know later. Next question. Uh, hey, guys. Jeremy, last name withheld. Hey, Jeremy. Jeremy Sesto. Uh, so tonight I watched The Vavitch. Um, and oh. to, to hold off the, the, uh, the anger of the crowd, I thought there were lots of really good things in the film. However, I was disappointed because I expected a horror film and it felt like more of a period drama. This is what I like to think of as a kangaroo jack effect. Okay. A, uh, a movie that a period is drama. mismarketed. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a period drama in that it's no longer a, a point when Jerry O'Connell can open a film. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a time in history we can remember. Although to be fair, the kangaroo oh, opened that movie. It's probably because of that scene where Black Phillip does that rap. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to live deliciously, maliciously? Yeah. So, so, so my question to you is. What is your favorite examples of a film that you think would be good but was unfortunately mismarketed for the genre that it was intended? John Carter. John Carter. John Carter was mismarketed. It was a really good movie, and they made it look bad. (laughs) That's a very simple answer. Yeah, I snuck in there. You didn't really give us a lot of time to think. You want to talk more about I'm it? Gonna, I'm going to uh, What's that grown-up movie or adults? What's it called? Halfway grown-up, that Shirley Theron movie? Oh, Young Adult. Young Adult. Yeah, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see a movie about a terrible, terrible mother-in-law, and it wasn't until halfway through the film that I realized either this has been marketed wrong to me or I bought a ticket to the wrong movie. <laughs> Where's Jane Fonda? <laughs> But yeah, I think young adult, if I had known halfway through that it was not really a comedy, I probably still wouldn't have liked it, but I would have understood it. Damn it, maybe I would have respected it. I got nothing. Okay. I'm sorry. You want to do what I did with the the silly monster thing and just do a sideways answer that's not quite what they're asking for? (laughs) Instead, I'll sing a song. (laughs) To dream the impossible dream. To do a thing that I don't know. <laughs> to be there when I should be over here. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's called, that's the hit, the hit, the hit number one song from Man of Dementia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, another question, please. 
Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, my name is Elizabeth. And I have a question for you. With the exception of our Lord and Savior, Savior Nicholas Cage, sure. if you could have may anyone living on the podcast, who would you select and what movie would you watch with them? I mean, I'm mad about Mads. That goes without, you know, that goes without saying. And I'm going to mispronounce his name as Mads through the whole episode. What movie? I don't, I don't know what I'd watch with him. I mean, I love the Hollow Rising. So maybe just watch it with him and be like, that's awesome when you're beating that guy up. <laughs> Hey, what was that scene like when you beat that other guy up? Um, I feel like this is a weird one since he's now your boss, but I feel like having Joel on would be great. Oh, yeah. He would be great. He would be really good. Um, this is a little sexual for Joel, but I, I always... But I want Joel inside me. a little movie me. called All Anal Nurses. Yeah. No, like I, in inner space? No, uh, I... <laughs> when, like but, in inner space, right? Yeah, yeah you want to shrink him down. Yeah. Uh, so, he can see <laughs> the, so, he, with him. so he can find out that you're pregnant. No, one of my favorite bad movies is Hard Ticket to Hawaii. I, <laughs> Joel always uh, tried to stick, stay away from, uh, like, two... Too much. Well, because that's that's because MST3K is a family show. Yeah, this is not a family podcast. But uh, I mean, he is a grown man with two children. He knows he knows how it's done. You know? That's one of my. <laughs> that's one of my favorite. <laughs> so you don't need bad to worry movies. that he's going to be horrified. You know, that's, if you want to see a giant poisonous snake pop out of a toilet and then someone shoot it with a rocket launcher, <laughs> watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Uh, <clears throat> if I could watch a movie with anyone. I'd probably watch a movie with Jeffrey Combs. And that movie would be a little movie I like to call Castle. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you already watched it with the freak. I already watched it with the freak. Now I want another perspective. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get, it's two sides of the same coin, Elliot. Yeah. Step right up. Uh, Hey, dudes, what's up? Uh, What's up, dude? (laughs) That's pretty cool. Uh, My name's Louie. So let's say, like, Gerard Butler's next movie is Tailor Made for the Flophouse. What would it be? (laughs) I mean, mean, like, we kind of watched it today, but that's. What did you guys say? Oh, man. So we watch a lot of big, crazy, like, action adventure movies that just do really poorly but we've already seen them in so many of those we've also seen but we saw them in Bad Dad Soccer Dad too yeah we did see them in Bad Dad we saw them in The Ugly Truth The Ugly Truth yeah Yeah. so So what would we not he's he's like a triple threat quadruple threat I mean if we could see him I want to see him in an animated film as a voice okay so you'd hear him you wouldn't see him I'm, no, he's I really, I mean, no, I it's like no, he's playing, so. Dan, I don't want to strunk and white you, but I'm a little worried about your incorrect usage throughout the podcast. No, he's playing himself. Oh, so it's a cartoon about Gerard Butler. <laughs> it's a cartoon about Gerard Butler trying to make uh, Bad Dad Soccer Dad. Okay. It's like the player, but it's animated. And it's got <laughs> it's got Dex Talk Technive as the as the sidekick. As, and the romantic interest, I assume? The romantic interest is Betty Boop. Okay. I would like to see him in a historical drama in which he plays a famous inventor from either the 18th or 19th centuries. Because I want to see him... Or no, here's what I want. I want him to play Archimedes. Because I want to see how he'd handle the scene where he discovers displacement of water and j- jumps out of the bath and runs through 
the town naked, scouting Eureka. But I also want to see the scene at the end where the Romans, the, not Roman, whoever, this, whoever that soldier's from that killed him, goes up and tries to kill him, but he changes history and kills that soldier dead. Because yeah. he's, he's not Archimedes, he's Gerard Butler. <laughs> or as I'm going to call him, Gerard Archimedes. I feel like we haven't seen him in a musical yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like he was in the Phantom man. of the Opera. Oh, but yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> so technically, Stewart's correct. <laughs> um, so uh, we should we should stop with the people who are currently in line. Not that I. Oh, feel- oh, whoa, no, whoa, whoa. whoa! Are you okay? Someone fell down in the back. Right? They seem to be all right. Okay. Uh, it's getting rowdy. So let's. Yeah. If you're not online right now, you're not asking a question because this place is about to e x p l o d e like Neo Tokyo. So, uh, boom. Yeah. That's so, a reference to a poster. <laughs> anyway, next question. Uh, hi, Seth. Last name withheld. Hi, Seth. Hey, Seth. Uh, I like. I really appreciate the disclaimer at your live shows for Q and As because uh, Hell on Earth is a Comic Con Q and A. I've been there. It's terrible. <laughs> Just trying to go to a Woody great. Allen Q and A. A lot of old people have a lot of stories about when they saw each individual Woody Allen movie, <laughs> and they're dying soon. So they don't care how much of your time they take up. <laughs> That sort of answers my question, which was, uh, what's the worst Q&A session that you experienced? Uh, and, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, well, that was it for me, yeah. Woody Allen went, was at the 92nd Street Y, and they said ahead of time, he's going to be talking about, he selected a number of movies to be asked about that mean something to him, and he's going to discuss those. He's not going to talk about his own movies. And every question, the moderator had to be like, no, we've already said he's not going to talk about his movies. Do you have any questions about the, we want to create a discussion on these movies? Every question. Everyone had a story about how much they love Woody Allen movies and how much they meant to them. And they were each waiting for that moment where Woody Allen is like, you know what? No one has ever connected with my films <laughs> the way that you have. Meet me backstage because we're best friends now. And I want to spend every day with you and anoint you as my heir. I don't know if I can think of a specific one, but I do think that if you go to a movie uh, Q&A, most of the time, the guy who's running the Q&A is just the programmer for that particular movie theater. Yeah. And the skill set that is, let's program a movie theater, is different from the skill set of, let's talk in front of people. And so... Let's, let's potentially keep this weird creative guy on track. Yeah. <laughs> and, but also, like it's very much like, I am so in awe of you, and let me talk for, you know, like 12 minutes giving my interpretation of the film that we just watched, and then you are going to say yes or no, because I have asked a non-open-ended question at the end of that. Uh, I would say the worst Q&A I went to was also the best, which was a Q&A that Elliot went to with me. Uh, is that Only God Forgives? Yep, which was for the... Let's say mixed, uh, mixed received movie, Only God Forgives, directed by Nicholas Wendig Refn. Um, and the panel was all uh, like either Thai actors or Nicholas Wendig Refn, who is a super weirdo. Or, uh, or uh, the star of the movie. Why can't I remember? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, who, yeah, the uh, There was plenty of film students asking their questions that just were basically trying to show off how much they knew. But the highlight of the, the Q&A was when Ryan Gosling, when asked, if he could play any character in any uh, film, who would he play? And he said, Freddy Krueger. And the, <laughs> the room went crazy. Yeah. 
That's very great. I want to, I'll tell you about a story where the question askers weren't the problem, where the person answering the questions was the problem. This is a Q&A that I went to with the same person that I was with, the, the Only God Forgives one. My friend Brock Mahan is in the audience. Anyway, the, uh, where this was a, sh a screening of Targets, which Peter Bogdanovich was introducing the film. And he went so long, because, and he pulled a trick. I got so much respect for him pulling this trick. The moderator was openly, openly being upset with how long <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich was taking. Because they had to run the film, and I think they had to cancel the screening afterwards because he went so long. <laughs> I might be remembering that wrong, but that's how I remember it. But he talked for, it was, it was supposed to be about like a 15-minute introduction when at least 45 minutes. Because he would answer a question, and before the moderator could say anything, Bogdanovich would say, uh, one more question, one more question. <laughs> and he answered at least 12 one more questions. And so many of his stories were about famous people who are dead now, so they can't deny it, telling him how good he is about stuff. <laughs> I can imagine a young Elliot, like, sweating and getting excited about the possibility of doing that exact same thing. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> oh, Jeff, last name withheld. Hey, Jeff. I'm, I'm wondering if there are any recent bad movies you have intentionally avoided doing for the show. Mm. Uh, I feel like oh. we have definitely pointedly not done The Ridiculous Six. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Every time I want to watch something for Sandalvember, you insist that Sandalvember doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that we're not allowed to just watch the Adam Sandler movies. Uh, I don't know. Also, I mean, a lot we of pointily avoid anything that is over, like, 95 minutes. Yeah, we try. We, I mean, that's the sweet spot. Sometimes we end up with a two-hour or because we didn't realize it. 87 minutes. Yeah. Just crank And there's out, sometimes please. when there's a movie I want to watch for the Flophouse, and then Dan just goes ahead and watches it on his own because he's, good, like, on a plane. <laughs> or what? Just... Wait, what's the last one? Can you remember one? Uh, off the top of my head, no, I don't remember. But a lot of times okay. you go, well, I watched it. I watched it because I thought we might kind of like it. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. So now, <laughs> I mean, I think you under I don't think you understand what the point of the podcast is. Like, I'm deliberately trying to fuck with you guys. Oh, I see. <laughs> Nine I years of this. I never realized, and I never realized. It's like a Stanford experiment, but, but kind of a damn. I feel like experiment. every every time I show every time I show up to watch a movie and it isn't Bucky Larson born to be a star, <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> All right, we've got one more question, and then you can get out of this hot, hot uh, room down here. Or stick around and, and have some yeah, drinks. Yeah, stick and around party. and have a drink with me, dude. Yeah. Oh, well. Please. You can have a drink with chairs. Stuart or Dan, but not me. Anyway, I'm going to go home. <laughs> I got places to be tomorrow, and that place is. Wait, what? <laughs> something yelled something vulgar Someone in the audience. Someone wants to touch his face. Yeah, and that's not going to happen because that's <laughs> how you get pimples. Anyway, so. That's an, old, that's an old Cary Grant beauty tip. He'd say, don't touch your face. That's how your skin goes. Anyway. How's it going, uh, Nick? Last name withheld. Um, being that there's a direct connection to Mystery Science Theater, if you could actually take any of your episodes and... Bring it to you know the you know, the live uh, setting, or whatever you want to call it, for uh, Mystery Science Theater. The in between episodes, what would be the sketch, or what characters would you want to play from the movie in you're like watching? Like the host segment, you're saying? Yeah, like okay. the host segments when you know we'd get Torgo, we you know we'd yeah. get um, Ortega. What would you guys like to take 
and make your own like Mystery Science Theater host episode. Good question. Good question. Good question. Question points on that. I think it would be fun to be an Oogie Love. (laughs) (laughs) Dan says while leering at us. (laughs) He said wistfully. (laughs) You guys ever want to get get in one of those Oogie Loves? (laughs) Yeah. No. I mean, Toofy would obviously be the one to be fun to be. Yeah. What, do you want to be the science one? Come on. <laughs> you got to I mean, say science-tastic. I'd love to get to be uh, get to be a snake man from Jonah Hex. <laughs> snake man! I think I would want someone to come on playing not his character from Fateful Finding, but Neil Breen himself. <laughs> because there's such a great divide between his character and the creator. <laughs> and if Neil we could Breen. get Neil Breen, that would be the most, that would be the sweetest thing. Of all, that's from if I were a rich man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you couldn't tell because I didn't do my my Tevia slash Bane voice. <laughs> Why didn't you do that? Uh, you know what, Dan? Sometimes you make decisions that are the wrong decision in the moment, and then you regret it. Called being president, anyway. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of fun tonight, guys. Yeah, we, what have we learned have from we? this show, Dan? Kind of. we, we, how far over are we going? Pretty far over. Yikes. So, Dan, what have we learned tonight? We've learned that when you get 150 people in a small room, it gets very warm. Just take your shirt off, dude. They all want it. That's what they want. That's what they want. I have an undershirt on. It's like when we record in your place. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so what do we do next? Uh, Do we do recommendations? No. (laughs) Are we we recommending anything? No, we're not recommending anything. Part of the podcast. Movies. Say, Movies are great, guys. Go check them out. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Pop some corn. We've had a lot of laughs, but I, I'm going to say, you know what? Visit Hor- your local library. Hor- <laughs> <laughs> Horace may have done a lot of crazy things back in ancient Egypt, but he was right. It's all about how we take care of each other and do nice things for each other. And are we going to thank everybody for coming out? Yeah, thank you for coming out to Cake Shop in NYC for the New York City Podfest. Thanks for listening. Thanks for laughing. Thanks for loving. Thanks for learning. Thanks for living. And if you do it, thanks for Thanks for, for lusting. Uh, uh, not what I was going to say. Not what I was going to say. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. For the Flophouse, I've been Stuart Wellington. All right, guys. I'll be for the Flophouse, too. And I'll be Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. Bye. R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. Oh, wow. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm Jordan Morris. The federal government has millions of dollars in programs and opportunities that you need to seize today. You're a taxpayer, right? Well, then you've got it coming. Thanks to Uncle Sam... 
you can get grant programs for veterans, postage stamps that'll ensure your mail gets there in a timely fashion, fruit for you and your family, child care for your children that turns them into super soldiers, get a million dollars to open your own lake, useful power tools that are easy on your soft, delicate hands, your own personal radioactive brick, more sexual attention from everyone at the used bookstore, greyhound tickets, soft, gentle kisses from TV's John Goodman, a real narwhal, athletic socks filled with stew a valuable pamphlet on millet your father's approval don't wait right now for all of this and more drop us a line jordan jesse go 123 itunes street or wherever you download podcasts